Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, Pastor started a new series for the new year called Simply Stuff. Well, December 31st, it's the last day, folks, of 2017. You're like, wow, you're really smart. (laughs) We came here to hear that? Wow, that's really good stuff. Last day of 2017, for those that keep the little counters, we are on the 365th day of the year. We made it. You know, I just wonder... I don't know if you're like me, maybe you spend some time wondering, I wonder how has this year been for you? Think about it. Individually, how has this year been for you? And only you know that, and that's a very personal answer, and I'm not asking for anybody to raise their hand and share, but let me ask you a little bit further. How has this year been for you between you and God? It's been a good year. You know, I know for many in 2017 it's been a good year, for others not so good. Um, I know some this year that I know and love have experienced great victories in their life. I also know others who have suffered tremendously in 2017. And so, no matter where we are though, when we think about it, no matter where we are, chances are that over this past year, not just today on December the 31st, but over this past year, every one of us have had to deal with stuff. Stuff just seems to weigh us down so many times. And uh, I like that song, you know, uh, that we were, that Jared, that y'all were singing, oh, come to the altar, bring, bring all your stuff. That's really what we need to do. We need to bring all of our stuff to the altar and cast it back on the Lord. The Bible tells us, as Travis read, that we're casting our cares, we're to cast our care on the Lord because He cares for us. And so we're going to see that here in a second. But it's my prayer that as we get into this study, this, this is going to begin today. And I know we have a lot of people that are traveling and can't be here this morning. But we're going to continue it on through this month as we get into this study and, and we think about it. My prayer is that the Lord will work. That it'll work in such a way that He'll better equip you, He'll better equip me to deal with all the stuff that actually continues and and actually it hinders our spiritual growth. And then not only does it hinder our spiritual growth, but it harms relationships. Sometimes I look around and we're dealing with stuff that, that blocks our relationships with one another. And then not only does it harm our relationship between uh, people, but it harms our relationship with God. And so as we look at this, uh, this study, we're going to talk about stuff and, I was even talking with Brian uh, earlier. Brian and Sandy, bless their heart, they'll be with us in a couple of weeks. And uh, then they'll be heading back to uh, uh, the country of Nicaragua. And, you know, bless their hearts. Uh, and Brian was talking about, just like me, neither of us are, do real well in the cold weather. But I'd ask that you pray for Brian today. And, and he's not feeling well with the cold weather and Certainly does not uh, do great things for his health, and I'll leave it there. But uh, just uh, pray for them as they prepare to go. And so we all deal with stuff. And stuff, you know, what I've learned in my life, 51 years uh, plus, that stuff comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? Sometimes we deal with job stuff. Anybody ever dealt with some stuff at work? 
<laughs> Diana deals with that stuff every day. We deal with job stuff. We deal with relationship stuff. Anybody ever had problems with relationships? It doesn't matter whether it's a co-worker relationship, a relationship with your neighbor, a relationship with another family member, a relationship with a friend in school who, thought was, who you thought was your best friend that you only turned around to find out that they were, were telling stories about you. We all deal with relationship stuff. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. We deal with health stuff. I look around. Bless Shauna's heart. She has dealt with health stuff for two years now. She's like, I'm tired of dealing with health stuff. Could I just move on? I'd like to deal with some other stuff. I'd like to deal with Randy stuff. Well, we pray for you because I know you deal with Randy stuff all the day, all the time. Some of us deal with marriage stuff. What about parenting stuff? We started a Bible study class here because... We have parents of teenagers who deal with parenting stuff on a regular basis. And so we have that. We have people that struggle with financial stuff, anxiety, regret, loneliness, desire. Stuff comes in all forms. What about unresolved issues, negative emotions and attitudes, unhealthy mindsets? These all fall under this category of stuff that you and I are forced to deal with day after day after day. But I ask myself this question, have we ever stopped to consider how all these things, all this stuff actually impacts our life individually? Not as a church, but how does this stuff impact me? Because you see, at the end of the day, I have a relationship with God that I need to be cultivating. But also as a married man, I have a relationship with my wife that I need to be cultivating. I have a relationship with my children that I need to be cultivating with. And then I have a relationship with the body of Christ that God has called me to under-shepherd that I need to be cultivating. And so sometimes stuff gets in the way. Bogs me out. Brings me down sometimes, this stuff. Typically, we don't think about how it impacts our life because we don't like to deal with our stuff, do we? Anybody, anybody ever done this? It's the proverbial uh, hide it under the bed. When I was a kid, I remember when my mom, after my mother passed away, I remember that my dad was a stickler. My dad was a military man, and my dad wanted my room clean all the time. Casey, that's where I get it from. Um, my dad, wanted my, my dad wanted my room clean all the time, and so I knew that I, I wasn't going to do that. I, I, that was just something that was foreign to me. So I did what every other young, uh, young child does. I hid all my dirty clothes under the bed. I'm afraid that's what we do with some of our stuff. We hide it. We don't, we, we, we don't want to deal with our stuff. We like to hide our stuff. Sometimes we hide it by wearing a mask. Anybody ever wear a mask? You get in the car and you're headed to church and you're like, oh man, I really don't want to go, but if I don't go, then this happens. And so you start, start trying to reason out why you need to go. Well, the first reason we ought to come to church is to worship God. It really ought to be the, the primary reason we come is to worship, to praise Him and to, and to glorify Him. And, you know, the fellowship that we get, man, that's just a bun- that's, that's like the icing on the cake. But sometimes we put this mask on. We pull into 4361 Lee Highway, and not today because it was like two degrees outside, but normally we have people outside with signs, honk if you love Jesus, and we're waving and and things like that. And immediately the the mask comes on. Hey, brother. Hey, how you doing, man? God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. And 30 seconds before, we were arguing, fussing, and fighting with our family. 
Like, be quiet. No, you be quiet. You be quiet. You be quiet. You say, how do you know? Been there, done that. Sometimes we wear masks because we don't want to deal with their stuff. Sometimes we pretend that we are fine. Sometimes we deny that we even have stuff that needs to be dealt with. Sometimes, here's the sad thing, sometimes we turn to alternative uh, sources when trying to deal with stuff. When I mean by, by alternative, what I mean is we turn to uh, things like food. We replace all the stuff that we need to deal with by eating all those Christmas cookies that you guys are trying to fatten me up with. We turn to alcohol. Oh, I'll just fill my life with so much alcohol that I don't, I don't even remember the stuff. I got news for you. Food, alcohol, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff. It's just going to add more stuff to your plate. It's like, oh, okay, I'll numb the senses with the alcohol and the drugs so I don't have to deal with my stuff. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, what happened? I just ruined my life because now I'm addicted to this. I've got to have that stuff to cover this stuff. And so we're just, by the way, this message, we're just scratching the surface today, right? We're just going to scratch the surface a little bit of, of getting into this discussion on stuff this, this coming month. So what's the real answer? I'm looking in scripture and, and we only read a couple of verses and really we're not doing, doing this passage justice by just reading these two verses. But what's the answer? And the only thing I can come up with, guys, over the next several, over the next several weeks, the only thing that I can come up with to deal with stuff appropriately is this. Kind of novel. Why not get God involved? What do you have to lose? What do I have to lose? I have nothing to lose and everything to gain if I will just simply allow God to resume his rightful place in my life and say, God, I need you to come into my life. I need you to, to turn this ship around, so to speak. I need you to deal with this stuff because I'm unable, I'm unequipped. By the way, God never meant for you to deal with your stuff anyway. He's not giving you all this stuff so that you feel burdened and brought down and brought low. Oh, if we're ready to deal with our stuff that weighs on us and burdens us down, let's quit leaving our Lord out of the loop, so to speak, and let him come in. I have a couple of questions. When was the last time that you and I sincerely brought our burdens to the Lord? Oh, come to the altar. Nobody likes to come to the altar anymore. It's like, it's like this stigma. Well, I don't want to go because someone might see me come to the altar. Because everybody's looking, I'm going to let you know I'm walking here across the altar. There's nothing wrong with the altar. I mean, it's still, it's still intact. But for some reason, we've allowed the devil to fool us to say, Oh, Francis, if you come to the altar, what's Krista going to think about you? And so what we do is we put that mask on. We pretend that we're better than everybody else. We pretend that we don't have any stuff. And then we get in our car and we go back home. And guess what's waiting for us when we walk in the door? And some of us, that stuff doesn't even wait to rear its ugly head when you get home. Sometimes as soon as you get in your car, the stuff rears its ugly Did you hear what the pastor said? You need to repent. Oh, we're good at telling one another we need to repent, aren't we? Anybody, anybody ever guilty of that? You need to repent. You need to get right with Jesus. We, we become evangelists in our cars in the parking lot. 
It's like, we don't, we don't even want to tell people that we love the Lord, but we tell our husbands, our, our kids, and our grandkids, we tell them, oh, you need Jesus. What about us? We don't like to deal with our stuff. When was the last time not only did we bring our burdens to the Lord, but when was the last time that we spoke with God? I'm going to use a Travis phrase for more than about a minute. When was the last time that we actually spoke to God for more than about a minute about our stuff? When was the last time we got on our knees and cried out to God and said, God, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life that's not right. God, I've made decisions that are not right. You know what I say all the time? We make choices. And choices what? Make us. That's why we deal with stuff. The reason we tend not to deal with our stuff, the reason we tend not to bring our burdens, the reason we tend not to talk with God for more than about a minute about our stuff is because we tend to say this in our mind. We say, I can handle it. I can handle it. God's gifted me in this way. I'm able to deal with this. I can fix it. I remember, you know, men, men think we can fix everything. All we need is a hammer and some duct tape and we're good to go. Guys, I got some news for you. There's some things that duct tape and a hammer will not fix. We need the Lord to fix them. We say, hey, I can handle this. I got all the self-help books that I need. I mean, did you see on Amazon? They have a new book that says that you can do this. Can I tell you something? You already have the book. I'm not against now, don't go out of here, oh, that guy, he's an old school pastor. He don't like any other book other than the Bible. I'm not against other books that are going to be a help to you. But there's no greater book than the book that has been given by God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. His Word is what will make a difference in our lives. We, we say, I can handle this. Here's another reason we don't do these things. We tend to say this, too. God is too busy to deal with my stuff because he's dealing with everybody else's stuff. My stuff seems really small compared to the health stuff that somebody else is dealing with. I mean, I got a hangnail. Is God really concerned about my hangnail when somebody else is facing a life-threatening situation? I mean, that's the comparative analysis that we do. We say God is, God is so overwhelmed with stuff that he has no time for my stuff. And so we have that excuse. Here's another one that I, I, I hate to admit, but I see this all the time. We don't believe God is able to deal with our stuff. But I want to assure you that he is able. As Paul said to the saints in Ephesus in Ephesians 3.20, our God is more able. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you and I could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. What is the power that works in us? Anybody? The Holy Spirit, the power of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit works in and through us. Listen, the fact is that God cares about every one of us. He cares about the big things. He cares about the little things. In fact, go back with me here to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, first of all, Peter is so practical. Peter is writing to these dispersed Jews who are facing persecution. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 1, he's talking about the lively hope, the living hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And, and he's very practical, but Peter is also very rational. You see, because when Peter tells you to do something in Scripture, he typically provides the reason. It's like, what? Peter says to do something, why do we do it? Well, notice, notice what he says in verse number 7. 
Verse 7 of our text says this. It says that you and I, notice it says that you and I are to cast all of our care on him. But notice there's a, semi, there's, there's a uh, semicolon right there. Casting all your care upon him. And if you've been around me long enough to know, you know what I always say. If there's a semicolon, what should we do? We ask the question, why? Peter gives us the answer. He says, hey, humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. By the way, Brian preached a message years ago and, and I hold on to things that I hear. Brian said, guess what? And I want to encourage you. This is just a little sidebar comment. That exalt you in due time does not mean today. That does not mean tomorrow, does not mean uh, it might happen the day after tomorrow. It's according to God's time, and guess what? It might be in eternity when he exalts you. So don't get your halo on so tight that you're like, well, God, how come you're not exalting me? Here I am. I mean, I've humbled myself. By the way, the moment you think you're humble, you're not. Andrew Murray said that. The moment you think you're humble, you're not. I, I love people who talk about how humble they are. It's like, bro, you got a problem. <laughs> you need to slow yourself from thinking you're so humble. But Peter says this. He says, cast all your care upon him. Why? For he cares for you. You see, in this passage, there's one who cares for us, and there's one who does not. In verse number 8, Peter goes on and says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. See, there's one who cares for us. His name is Jesus. And there's one who doesn't care for us. His name is the devil, Satan. Now this is nothing new. This verse, in, this verse number 7 is nothing new. Peter is probably referencing what David said in Psalm 55, verse 22. David put it this way when he says this. He says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. So... I was looking it up. The literal rendering of this verse actually goes like this. Cast upon Jehovah what he has given or laid upon you. Cast whatever Jehovah has given you, whatever he has laid upon you, cast it back on him. I think about our children. We're to cast our children back to the Lord. Isn't that what Hannah prayed? She said, you give me a man-child and I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. See, we get so strung out with the stuff of parenting, we're, we're so worried, we're so worried that our kids are going to have a wreck, that our kids are going to do this, our kids are going to make bad decisions. By the way, you made bad decisions. Don't you think your kids have probably figured out that they're going to make bad decisions too? But we get so consumed with this fear, this fear that our child might say the wrong thing, our child might do the wrong thing, our child might, might whatever, Eat too much candy. We get so bogged down with all that stuff that we've forgotten that we've got to cast our care upon him. For he cares for us. God's in control. The same God who gave that child to you is the same God who will take care of that child for you. That's not your job. Your job is to raise up a child, to train up a child in the way he or she should go so that when they're old they will not depart from it. Oh, listen, we need to cast all of our cares on the Lord. Listen, we need to make God the center of any and every and all the plans that we have. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 37, 5. It says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I love this. So what the psalmist is saying here is that we ought to commit 
our way unto the Lord. You know, in Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25, they basically say the same thing. So what we have here, if you guys could show that verse again, uh, what we have here is, is kind of a vice versa. The psalmist says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Proverbs 14, 12 and 16, 25 says, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of what? Death. See, sometimes when we're dealing with stuff, we say, I'll deal with it my way, Pastor. Quit talking about my stuff. You don't know about my stuff. Why don't you deal with your stuff and leave my stuff alone? By the way, I got enough to deal with, with stuff in my life. I'm not suggesting that you cast your stuff on me or that I intercede and take care of your stuff. I'm just suggesting that you and I get God involved as we begin a new year. As we come to the last day of the year, why not let God be involved in dealing with our stuff. And here's the thing, we're only scratching the surface today but uh, when it comes to this idea, but notice with me a few areas of immediate concern that I have. Before we ever talk about job stuff, relational stuff, marriage stuff, anxiety stuff, and, and on and on this, this, over these next several weeks, before we get into those specific messages, there's some things that I was thinking about that we really ought to kind of scratch the surface on stuff. And the first thing, if you're a note taker, is the intellectual stuff that we all deal with. The stuff that boggles the mind, stuff that exists and unfortunately creates a battle in and of the mind. It's stuff, quite frankly, that keeps you and I from thinking and understanding clearly. It's also stuff that keeps us from thinking and understanding biblically. See, sometimes our mind gets so filled with useless stuff, useless information um, that we can't see our way through it. What we do many times is we squash real truth while we allow misinformation, preconceived notions, prejudices, and, and all kinds of other stuff to, to kind of boggle the mind. But I want to encourage you today. When we talk about the mind, don't look at it in the negative because the mind is a wonderful gift of God. Can you imagine the God of the universe who spoke this world, into, this universe into existence, he's given you and I a mind that we're able to think. He's given us a mind that we're able to understand. He's given us a mind that we're able to, to make godly choices. But it's not only a wonderful gift. The mind, the mind, I remember years ago, the United Negro College Fund used to say the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Oh, they were right. But I would suggest this also. The mind is a dangerous playground. I remember teaching college students in Springfield, Missouri, and, and uh, a lot of stuff that young people deal with begins right here through the eye gate, and it enters the mind, and it starts wreaking havoc on the mind, looking at inappropriate images, being consumed with inappropriate things. And what the mind does, and guys, this is not just for college-age students. This is for adults, too. See, the mind, we have the ability, men, you have to be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because we know the song, the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. But as men, and ladies, you're not off the hook either. We have the ability to do this. Hit the rewind, play. And relive it all over again. Rewind, play, 
rewind, play, rewind, play, rewind, play, and it's useless. It's just a bunch of junk. And so we have to be very careful about the mind, which is why I believe the Apostle Paul told that church at Philippi, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So what mind are we talking about? What was, what was the Apostle Paul saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus? Well, I believe he's talking about the same mind that compelled Christ to come down from the very portals of heaven for you and I. I believe he's talking about the same mind that led Christ to humble himself. The same mind that not only led Christ to humble himself, but to become obedient even unto the death of the cross. Paul says, let that mind be in you. Let that be the mind that guides you. I was... Uh, reading this morning in 1 Peter 1, and in 1 Peter 1, reminding myself of that passage, you get down to verse number 13, the, uh, Peter says, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. Here's the, here's the reality. In fact, let me read that verse for you in, in 1 Peter 1, verse 13. If you have your Bible, you can look there at it. It says, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, verse 14, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, speaking of our conduct as believers. And so he says that we need to gird up the loins of our mind. And so what Peter is saying is, here, what he's saying is you need to fill your mind with truth. And what I know, and we can read about that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. You know, uh, wherefore gourd up the loins uh, with truth. And so what I know is that you and I, we will either fill up our minds with truth, or you and I will fill up our minds with all the affairs and all the cares of the world. And when we allow ourselves to do that, we start to deal with a, with, with a myriad of things or stuff that God never intended for us to deal with. I like what Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4 says. The Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Do you have intellectual stuff that boggles your mind day in and day out? Go to Isaiah 26, 3. He says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And I like what verse 4 says. Verse 4 comes right after. It says, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Are you in need of strength when it comes to the intellectual stuff that you may be dealing with? Proverbs 3, that famous passage in Proverbs 3, we like to read verse 5 and 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thy own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. We love that passage. We love that. In fact, I hear guys, they preach on this all the time. It's like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. They're going to preach this passage. And uh, I don't have any problem. They want to preach on this passage. But what I think we do ourselves an injustice is we stop. We stop reading at verse number 6 when really we need to read verse 7. Guys, if you'll show what verse number 7 says. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. See... Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. You're no match for the devil. Because see, right after the Bible says cast all your care on him for he careth for you, the very next verse is be sober, be vigilant because your adversary as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. 
See, we have to keep our mind focused where it needs to be focused. Intellectual stuff will get us and keep us off track if we're not careful. Paul said in his first letter to the church at Corinth in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 19, he reminds us that the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he hath taken the wise in their own craftiness. Listen, the way that you and I think we ought to operate is not the way that God says we're to operate most of the time. Now, if you're, if you're making decisions, biblically-based decisions, praise the Lord. But I'm afraid when we deal with intellectual stuff, the problem is that we're not doing it in a biblical way. The Apostle Paul wrote to that church at Coloss in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1 and 2, when he says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And here's what I like. Look at the next. Verse number two, set your affection, pay attention to this phrase, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. This phrase, setting your affection on things above, means to exercise, literally, the phrase means to exercise the mind. Literal translation of the Greek there is to exercise the mind. What it actually means is that you and I ought to savor, you and I ought to regard, you and I ought to be thinking about things above, not about things below. Oh, the intellectual stuff that we deal with and struggle with sometimes is a problem because what happens is there's a snowball effect. We have snow on the ground, so maybe you can in your mind's eye see it with me. There's a snowball effect that happens. The intellectual stuff leads to emotional stuff. See, we struggle with emotional stuff many times. Many times we struggle, but because emotions are powerful, are they not? But I want to encourage you once again, it's okay to be emotional. We are created in the image of Almighty God. God is a very emotional God. That's not a bad thing. It's okay to be emotional. He created you and I to be emotional beings. But on one hand, emotions drive us, and on the other, emotions can drain us. They can drain us and sap us of all our energy. Like a roller coaster, emotions take us up, down, and all around. They lead us to extreme highs and bring us to depressing lows. But improper emotions... Some emotions are good, but improper emotions lead to sins like anger. Anybody ever have a problem with anger? Improper emotions lead to sins like anger, sins like envy, sins like fear. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but sometimes we're fearful. See, improper emotions lead to these sins. They lead to sins like uh, anger, envy, fear, bitterness, uh, jealousy. Here's one that I just despise. I'll just be honest with you guys. Probably something that, I don't know, maybe some of you all have these things that bother you. Filthy communication bothers me, man. It really bothers me. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt com communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let your speech always be seasoned with salt. You know, I want to speak truth, but I want to speak it in a way that's loving and kind to people. And I feel like we live in a day and time now where everybody is so quick because they're so emotional about some thing that's going on. 
that has nothing to do with here, now, or eternity, they're so quick to spew out filthy communication. And what I find more and more is we do it to one another. We, we allow that intellectual stuff to get down and it, gets, it moves from here, that 18 inches down to here, and then out of the abundance of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, excuse me, the mouth speaks. Oh, guys, this intellectual stuff leading to emotional stuff is a problem. But for the believer, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells you and I that there should be a time in our life when we put away those things, when we get rid of the, the stuff that was before Christ came in. In fact, guys, if you'll show um, Ephesians 4, verse 17 uh, and following there. Ephesians 4, 17 and following. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of what? Their mind. Remember the intellectual leading to the emotional. He says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation, that means conduct, of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Guys, it's okay to be emotional. But after you and I have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we need to be putting on the, the right emotional, the right emotional responses. Those emotional responses are those that will bring Him honor and glory. And so this intellectual stuff leads to emotional stuff. And the sad reality is that when we fail to biblically deal with all the intellectual and emotional stuff that comes our way, it's not long before you and I are dealing with some behavioral stuff. Behavioral stuff that gets in the way of our relationship with God and it also gets in the way of our relationship with one another. In fact, I put down here, bad behavior must never be justified. However, that's exactly what we do sometimes, don't we? Have you ever heard someone say it like this? That's just the way I am. You're going to have to learn to love it, Buster, because that's the way God made me. Wrong. Wrong. You're just choosing your own attitude, which is unbiblical at its very core. Well, God made me that way. That's my personality. I took a personality test. Yeah, okay, that's great. God bless you. Congratulations. I've taken them too. But I'm also to be conforming more to the image of Jesus Christ day in and day out. So just because I took a personality test in 1977 does not mean that in 2017 I ought to still be acting like the idiot I was back then. That's not biblical. And yet, we, and, and yet we go around pontificating it as if it's biblical. Well, God made me that way. You married me. You knew what you were getting into. I was praying you would get better. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. It's like we say, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. I'm only human, brother. 
What kind of cop-out is this? I have bad behavior because I'm a human. I have bad behavior because that's my personality. I have bad behavior because that's just how God made me. But folks, God wants you and I to model our lives after the greatest model of all, and his name was Jesus. And his name is Jesus. He set example after example after example for us in his word. And so instead of struggling with stuff this month, over the next how many ever weeks, somebody said, how long is the series lasting? I don't know. <laughs> this might be a 365-day-a-year series on stuff. There's certainly enough stuff that we could deal with for quite a while. <laughs> you know, as our greatest model, don't you think it would be pleasing to him as his children, as those that have been born again, purchased, <laughs> blood-bought Christians. Don't you think it would be pleasing to our God that you and I would walk like Jesus walked? That we would begin to talk like Jesus talked? You know, get rid of that filthy communication? I, ne I never found in Scripture an example of Jesus using filthy communication to get his point across. Do you think it would be pleasing to God that we not only walk and talk like Jesus, but that our whole lives, that we would begin to live a life that would exude Jesus Christ? I believe that if we would do that, if we would walk, if we would talk, if we would begin to live our lives in a way that really represents Christ as the Savior of our lives, I believe that if we would do that, there would be more people wanting a relationship with Jesus. I just have to believe it. I have to believe that people would see our lives and they would say, man, I want what Jared has. I want what Robert has. I see how he lives his life. He lives by faith. I want to live that life. I just have to believe that that would be the, the result of that. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 4 and following, it says this, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments... Is uh, you guys read that word because I don't want to offend anybody. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Verse 6, what a great verse. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Oh, yes. Listen, Jesus has given us examples of, in his word of how he wants us to walk. He's given us examples to guide us, to give us instruction and wisdom. But when we are weighed down with sinful habits that hurt and alter the mind, when we're weighed down and, and, and our habits are altering the mind and our emotions and our behavior, we get stuck in a place that God never intended for us to be. That's why over the next several weeks I want us to honest honestly. That's a word we don't hear much anymore. I want us to honestly deal with the unhealthy stuff, the unresolved stuff that constantly seeks to control us. In Hebrews chapter 12, and I close, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1 and 2, what a classic passage of scripture. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And what does verse number two remind us? If we're going to run the race, who do we need to look to? 
I need to stop looking to myself. I need to stop thinking I can do it. I need to stop thinking that I can handle that sin that so easily besets us. By the way, that's a bunch of stuff too. We haven't even gotten there. I have to quit looking at that. And I need to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, to lead God and direct me. Again, 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7, the Bible says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I want you to know our God is big enough. He's big enough to carry all of our cares today. The question is, will you be willing to throw it down? That phrase, casting all your care, literally means to throw down, to cast aside. Are you willing to cast it down, to cast it aside today? Oh, we may not have touched on the stuff that you're struggling with right now. But maybe today you would open up your heart and you would begin to pray, God, over the next several weeks, I'm committing to you that I will be open to making a change in my life. God, I'm going to cast my care upon you because I know you care for me. I know there's someone else who doesn't care for me, but I like the alternative of casting it on you. Maybe you would pray that today. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I've never even trusted Christ. I don't even know that Christ cares for me. I want you to know that he does. He cares so much for you that he willingly came down and gave his life for you. And so whatever your need is today, maybe you need to trust Christ as your Savior. You know, I'm not going to beg you to trust Christ. Because if I could, it wouldn't make an impact. But God says, come unto me, all you that labor our heavy burden and I will give you rest. He'll give you the rest that you desire today. Are you tired of doing it the world's way? How about doing it God's way? Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.